so there'll be opportunity for that a bit later on. Um, if you've got a Bible with you and you want to open it at Galatians chapter 5, we're in Galatians 5, we've been there for a while, and uh, today we're in, the, uh, we're in our last message in the series on the fruit of the Spirit, and uh, we've been speaking primarily about this, a Christian is somebody who's been set free. Can I say that again? A Christian is somebody who's been set free. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So an important aspect of the Christian walk is this thing called freedom. We are no longer under the power of sin. We are no longer under the control of the enemy or Satan. And we are able to live by the Spirit. And as a result of living by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit becomes more and more evident and more and more prominent in our lives. And we all know the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is... Not bad. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit starts by saying, love. And do you know something interesting? That there are three words in the New Testament that are used for love. But when it came to writing love here, there was a new word invented that you all know. And it's the word agape, which we all have heard before. This is what agape means. A supernatural ability to love that is beyond your natural ability to love. So when we talk about lives being free and we talk about people being free, we are talking about believers who are free to live a supernatural kind of lifestyle. I say that in particular because we are so used to using the word love, we have got the idea it means loving in my own efforts and through my own efforts. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that you and I are meant to be, in a sense, supernatural beings in the way that we love. But then there's one thing that, that Paul touches on as he comes to uh, the end of chapter 5. And it's what I want to speak about this morning. Staying in step with the Spirit or keeping in step with the Spirit. So let's read it. And I'll read from verse, um, I'll read from verse uh, 16 of chapter 5. And uh, just to give us a bit of context again. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I need to say this again because most of you have read that about a thousand times before. You've heard it so many times before. What Paul is saying is this. So I say, if you, if I, will live by the Spirit, then you will not, I will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He's trying to make a point when he puts that there about the kind of lives that we begin to live when we live by the Spirit. Then he goes on to say, For the sinful nature de desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with, with one another so that you do not do what you want. He's saying all of you in this building today struggle with this issue. There are times when you know you're being incredibly godly, and there are other times you know when you're not being very, very godly. 
Now, now, some of us have got it fairly waxed in that we can keep our composure on the outside, but sometimes what's going on in the inside is not very healthy. He's saying that that's the struggle all of us go through, and he's saying, I don't want to hide it, I want to talk about it, and I want to help you through that journey. Then in verse 18, he says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And then he goes on to talk about all the acts of the sinful nature, which we won't go into. If you can go to verse 22, Craig, and it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the desires of the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now, the reason that there is this instruction after all he said about this new life of freedom from sin and the power of the enemy, he says, stay in step with the Spirit for one reason. Because the Holy Spirit is active in your life. You see, many people, when they think about the Holy Spirit, they say, I know I have the Spirit, or the Spirit is in me, or He's the third person of the Trinity. We speak about the Holy Spirit. Friends, I want to say to you, when Jesus went, rose and ascended to heaven, He said, I'm doing that for a reason so that the Spirit would come and you would be better off if the Spirit comes. It's going to be to your benefit. And friends, one of the things that's sad for me, we emphasize the cross a lot, and that's important. But we talk so little about the Spirit. And yet Jesus said to us, when I ascend on high, there is a reason so that He would come and He would be with you and He would be in you and that would be to your benefit. So the Spirit is active in the believer's life. In Philippians chapter 2, there's a well-known verse. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. What he's saying is this, just in case we don't get the sense of what he's saying. He's saying it is God who energizes you. That's the word it's used. It's a nice word, energia. It is the word, it's God who empowers you to live this life, both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So staying in step with the Spirit means this. It means that what God wants you to do, what God wants me to do becomes more and more obvious. That's what happens when the Spirit's at work. Haven't you discovered that, that where the Spirit's at work, it becomes more and more obvious to you what God wants? Now, let me use a, a personal illustration just to, to, to illustrate what, I, what I'm saying today. There, there was a situation that happened not too long ago. And it was a public situation, uh, it was a tense situation, and I was really trying to navigate this to the best of my ability. But, but the situation became, you know, when it gets hotter and hotter as it goes along and more and more tense, that's what was happening. And I felt almost like I'd come up against one of those immovable people that nothing was changing. And, and, and as the conversation went on, I found myself just getting more and more frustrated and saying, God, won't you just let him back off a bit? And the interesting thing happened. God says, why don't you change? Why are you so interested in him changing? And the Lord began to say to me, as I became frustrated, not the way to do it. That's not what I'm looking for. And, and, and I want to say this to you, because very often we say, God, change them. And he's saying, why don't you change? 
He's speaking into our hearts. And while I began to sense God saying, I want you to love, and I want you to be kind, and I want you to be patient, and I want you to be gentle in that situation. And you see, things like that happen because the Holy Spirit is at work. Don't ever come to the place of saying, that was me. You know, I just began to feel a bit bad about that. Or I began to feel uncomfortable about, friend, that was never you. (laughs) That's God. (laughs) That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active in our lives. So what do we need to do? We need to be alert to that voice, that prompting, and that leading of the Spirit in our lives because we change as we listen. That's what it means when we talk about staying in step with the Spirit. There's something else that it means. It means that the supernatural responses replace our sinful desires. That's what starts to happen. Ephesians chapter 3 tells us, and we discover one of the most brilliant verses in the New Testament, God is able to do immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within you. And instead of that sinful nature becoming the defining aspect of our lives, you know what starts to define us? The work of the Spirit. We start to be the person who desires to honor God, desires to love, desires to be different. You see, the believer is no longer subject to the power of sin, the sin and in our lives and the control of the enemy. And then lastly, when we talk about staying in step with the Spirit, now this is a phrase you may have never heard before because I invented it. But it's called taking off the grave clothes. Taking off the grave clothes. And, and the picture comes from that story of Lazarus. Do you remember Lazarus died and he was in the tomb for, what was it, three or four days, whatever. And Jesus comes to the tomb and he's standing in front of the tomb and he says to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And then the scripture in John eleven forty four it says this, the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his faith, face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Here's the thing. Lazarus Lazarus was still alive, but he was still covered with the grave clothes. And friends, that's a picture I want us to get today. We might have been at the cross, and we might have been set free, and there's new life again, but there's a need to take off the grave clothes. You see, living by the Spirit recognizes there are those grave clothes. Those, those are, that's what happened to a person when they died in those days. You would take a body and you would wrap them in, in these strips of linen. And it must have been weird. I'm sure most of us think that Lazarus came out of, uh, out of the too many Sunday best. You know, just had a shower and walked out of there. He didn't. He walked out of there a dead man walking still in the grave clothes. And there are aspects of our lives, thought patterns, insecurities, and old habits that are no longer appropriate and they don't have their place in the life of a believer. Paul, when he was writing to the Colossians, he put it like this. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these, in these ways in the life you once lived. But now, you must rid yourselves of all things. So, we said, 
Well, I'm not involved in sexual immorality. I'd say he goes on, you see. You can't can kind of get away. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. You say, well, whew, I'm glad that wasn't part of me. He said, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old life with its practices and you've put on the new self, which being renewed in the knowledge and image of its creator. creator sorry. Here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with. There is a taking off of the old. There is a putting on of the new. So the important part of this whole thing that we're talking about this morning, staying in step with the Spirit, it's talking about the behavior of the believer. Once, I want to make the statement for you to think about this one. Once somebody has tasted freedom, and once somebody has been filled with the Spirit, they will never want to go back to the old again. You may be tempted to go back, but you won't want to. Just imagine this. Imagine your whole life you'd lived in a pigsty. You'd become used to the smell. And most of us, that's pretty terrible. If you've ever visited a pigsty. It's like, I'll have a quick look and I'll go. Imagine you're covered with the stuff. And then one day somebody gets you. And they give you a good wash down. And they give you some fresh clothes. And you start to live in this, this new way. And you understand that that's not... The, and somebody says, wouldn't you like to go back in the pigsty? What are you going to say? Yeah! Of course not. Of course you're not going to want to go back. Why? Because now you know it's terrible there. Friends, may I say to you, when somebody has repented of their sins, and, when, and I mean truly repent, I'm not saying, oh God, you know, just won't you walk, help me a little bit here. I'm talking about we really come to Christ. We really ask Christ. We say, Lord, I want to just put my life in your hands. Do you know what happens? A miracle takes place of new birth. There's a transformation that comes by His Spirit that is revolutionizing. Friends, we have dumbed down Christianity for too long. When you come to Jesus, my Bible says He transformed me. The old is gone. The new has come. The Spirit of God is in me. Friends, that's good news, not bad news. I'm not asking you to be religious. I want you to get born of the Spirit. That's what we're talking about here. But, and I need to say but, before we get into the practical aspect of staying in step with the Spirit, there's something that Paul is putting his finger on here that we all need to put our finger on. And that is transformation always takes time. Do you know why I say that this morning? Because we're all living in an instant society. Everybody, even Christians, want instant Pray for me, and tomorrow I will be like the Archangel Gabriel. And you discover to your great disappointment, do you not even his shadow? That's a very real issue. Our culture today is a culture of instant. Come to God and you are instantly holy, you instantly perfect, you instantly got it together. And you know what I discover? When that doesn't happen, people become disappointed. They say it hasn't worked, and so they go back on their old way. 
or to their old way. There is a number of reasons that transformation takes time. And I want to point them out this morning because it's very important to this thing of staying in step with the Spirit. Number one, our minds need to be renewed. Our minds need to be renewed. You all know that, that scripture. You know it off by heart. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now we know the verse. But you see, what happens is that the way that we think and the way that you reason, the way that I reason, and the way that we see life is more deeply affected by our sinful life and sin than we realize. You see, you have to appreciate how powerfully sin has impacted your life and how much it's impacted my life to understand this verse. Friends, our thinking has been affected by our culture. Now, there are a lot of good things about culture. don't want to run it down. But if there is a challenge we are facing, we are so trying to get on with everybody, we've allowed culture to creep into the church. Some of the perceptions we have of Christianity need to be dealt with. There's some perceptions people have of Christianity that are just not Bible. And even the circle of people that we mix with, I've found that when the kind of people we mix with tend to impact us, they tend to affect us. And as we start to pray through things, as we start to bring them to the Lord, as we ask the Holy Spirit to open up God's Word in us, a shift begins to take place. I want to share with you one of mine. For many, many years, when I read the Bible, I would always land on what you're not supposed to do. Some of you have been there? I was a past master at focusing on sin. When I would, I would think I was having a very spiritual time if I really felt bad, enough, bad about myself. I thought I preached a great sermon if people walked out of the building feeling terrible. No, 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 don't laugh. I'm serious. Friends, the gospel is good news, not bad news. And I'm not saying I'm dumbing down sin or wanting to speak, say that sin is nothing. But friends, if you've heard the word of God, it's good news. Jesus Christ has brought good news, not bad news. But you know what? I kept seeing all the bad news. I had to go to God and I had to say, I need an extreme makeover. And he did. And I don't see it that way. I see the sin, but I see the good news way bigger than the sin. Our minds need to be renewed. Second part, second thing is that, uh, oops, Doubt and unbelief need to be dealt with. You are my family. You are my friends. You are my brothers and sisters in the Lord, whatever words you want to use. There's a need for Christians to start saying, there are areas of unbelief and doubt in my life that need to be dealt with. And I'm not saying about your salvation. Because you've got a strong conviction and confidence about your salvation does not mean you have faith in all things. 
That makes sense to you? There are areas we've got to start owning up to and saying when it comes to this, I am full of doubt. I am full of unbelief. I am a struggler. I'm battling with it. You know why we've got unbelief? You know why we've got those doubts? Sometimes it's the result of us trying to do things in our own effort, in our own strength. Sometimes it's the result of what we've been exposed to. And I can say to you today as a pastor that I, my heart is broken for what some of you have been exposed to. And I'm not talking about what you've done. I'm talking about what's been done to you. My heart breaks. And sometimes doubt and unbelief have come from what we've exposed ourselves to. We've put ourselves in situations that have been very damaging to us and to our lives. And we've got to deal with those things. And how many of you were here two weeks ago? Just put up your hand for me. Okay. I want to just encourage you to try and, if you can, go onto our website and listen to the sermon on living by the Spirit. Because this is one of the things that I spoke about quite a lot. What does it actually mean when you identify something in your life? And very simply, the the first thing is own it. Say, God, this is me. I, John Besson, am full of doubt, and I'm struggling with unbelief, and God, I'm going to own it. It's not wrong as a believer to say, I'm struggling with something. It's very unchristian to say, I'm not struggling with it. And we need to own it. And then we need to confess it, because if you confess it, you'll deal with it. And then we need to turn away from it. And lastly, in the best part, and I said this and I'll say it again, we need to bring it under the control of the Spirit. Now, it's not because I'm thirsty that I'm taking this out. But very often being Spirit-filled means we're going to fill up a glass with water. It doesn't mean that at all. Being Spirit-filled means bringing something under the authority and the control of someone else. Being Spirit-filled means this. If I'm battling and struggling in an area of unbelief, I deal with it, I own it, I confess it, I repent of it, I turn away from it. But then you know what I do? I bring that under the control of the Spirit and I say, God, I need a miracle. And that's where the journey begins. And then thirdly, the reason that transformation takes time is because old habits need to be broken. I had a friend of mine who was with me in ministry for many years, not in, not in Cape Town, and uh, he said, you know, when he came, when he got saved, and that one of the things he, he dealt with in his life, he was quite a heavy smoker, and so he stopped smoking. He said, you know, John, I've stopped smoking for 15 years, but he said, whenever I think my hand reaches for my top pocket, involuntarily. So it's like just ingrained. And, and, and I need to say this because when you come to Christ and when you commit your life to Christ and when you go to the cross, the power of sin is broken. The, the control the enemy had on our, over our lives, he used to be our master, now he's our enemy. The power that he had over our lives is broken. The trouble is we've picked up some bad habits along the way. And they're things we just do without thinking. And sometimes those have got to be dealt with. That can be extreme issues like drug abuse. 
and alcohol abuse. And there are many other kind of abuses I can mention. To just behavioral things that need to be dealt with. Sometimes we need deliverance. And God needs to set us free. And that's part of the journey. That's why transformation always takes time. Now here's the important thing I want to say about about transformation and especially about breaking bad habits. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now, say it loudly, there is therefore now. Why is that important? Because when you're struggling and when I'm struggling to break a bad habit and to work through something, what's the verse? The first thing that happens? We feel We feel shame. We feel embarrassment. We feel like a failure. What's the word of the Lord? There is no condemnation while you work through it. Because you know what the killer is? Not working through it, condemnation. Condemnation is the killer. I want to say today, when Jesus died on that cross and he paid the price, you got free. You got free. Your sins were paid for. The slate is clean. The slate is, I mean that. Then why do you nail him back on the cross by saying, I'm full of guilt and condemnation and shame? Was what he did not enough? You know, here's the blessing of the, this is good news. You can work through the stuff without having to live under condemnation. I'm not talking about deliberate sin. You understand that. I'm talking about my journey. I'm talking about your journey. Okay, so I'm finished the introduction. Let's get on to the... <laughs> Is that a nervous laugh or... <laughs> so I want to just, just land this thing and talk about what it means when we talk about staying in step with the Spirit. Because there are... There's a practical outworking to this. It's not just a figurative thing. So, so the number one, first thing when it comes to living by the Spirit is the renewing of our minds, and I touched on that. Press that again, Craig. There we go. Victory begins with what you believe. Where you don't believe, you will struggle, and I will struggle. That's the whole point of the renewing of your mind. We need to change all the unbelief into belief. We need to deal with all the places that were scrambled and confused and bring that into alignment with what God says. And it starts with the renewing of our minds. One of the things we need to recognize, our generation has been blessed with incredible access to information. We've got more access to information than any generation that's ever lived. You know the downside of that is you can be more manipulated than any generation before as well. You can be lied to more than any other generation. You see, as much as you've got access to that information, it has access to you. And we've got to recognize that. And I'm not against going to Google to get some help. I think you, we are a We must drive doctors to despair. We come in and we say, I've got this problem and I've Googled it and 
And the poor guy is saying, why did I study medicine for seven years? But here's the point. This is where you get your authority. You don't get your authority and your truth from Google. You get it from the Bible. I want to suggest that one of the great challenges of our generation is not ignorance, but it's knowing what God is saying again. And when you discover what God is saying, you will have more than knowledge. Your mind will be renewed. You see, we've always thought renewing of your mind means we learn what the Bible says. It never said that. It says, I want you to get in the Word so that something will be changed in you. There will be a renewing of your thinking. And I think when we talk about renewing of our thinking, it's speaking about something very powerful. It means we think differently, we reason differently, we see things differently. Staying in step with the Spirit means the renewing of your mind and my mind. I cannot share with, share with you enough today how much I as a pastor had to recognize as I went through this process how much needed to be fixed. The second thing is this. Staying, living by the Spirit needs to become the norm, not something that happens on the odd occasion. This statement, living by the Spirit, has trans formed my life. It's transformed my ministry. It's transformed the way I preach, my attitude, my sense of identity. It's been transformed. If you'd asked me some years ago if I was living by the Spirit as your pastor, I would have assured you I was. Today I want to tell you I was just in the shallow water. And I'm not saying that to try and be melodramatic. I'm saying, trying to say that because it's easy to think you are when you actually aren't. That's the problem. And you know how we often do it? We judge ourselves and our spirituality by one another. Friends, you never judge your spirituality by one another. You always go back to this thing and you get your mind renewed in the Word of God and you say, is my life in alignment with what He said? That'll be much more helpful, trust me. When the Spirit came at Pentecost, it wasn't to make the church feel nice. When the Spirit came at Pentecost, it was to empower the church. Do you know that Jesus never saw His church as a group of people who were disempowered? And I've asked myself this question in preparing this. Is the church still empowered? Because when God said, or rather Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, verse 8, you will receive dynamite when the Spirit comes upon you. It does suggest something, doesn't it? I've never, whenever you talk about dynamite to me, I think of an explosion and rocks flying all over. The, I don't know if that comes to your mind. 
Is that what you think about when the, of the church, wherever the church goes, there is an explosion and there's a change? See, when you put a charge of dynamite in a rock face, it's going to move the rock. That's the reason you put it there. Surely the church is meant to be Jesus' spiritual body of people that where they go, rocks move and things don't stay the same. I wish I had time to go into this more, but I don't. All I want to say is this. One of the most significant changes that happened for me in discovering that living by the Spirit is meant to be the norm is I started to have my own story rather than quote somebody else's. Right, last one, then I'm finished. Don't give up. Don't give up. That's living. Keeping in step with the Spirit means I don't give up. Let's be honest. There are times when the, we have instantaneous breakthroughs, right? You, you've seen somebody. You probably know somebody that's had an instantaneous breakthrough. But we all know as well that doesn't always happen, does it? Sometimes it takes time. And things don't go quite as quickly as we anticipate. There are some of you this morning that have been praying for something for years and it hasn't happened yet. I'm not talking about somebody else's salvation. I'm talking about stuff in your own life. But you see, we need to realize that some battles are bigger than others. They demand more than others, more prayer and more attention than others. Do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples one day? They said, Lord, why couldn't we drive it out? He said, this kind need prayer and fasting. He's saying, this is a bigger battle. And guys, some of you are in a bigger battle. And it's going to take time and it's going to take prayer and sometimes it's going to take fasting and it's going to take deliverance and it's going to take encouragement and it's going to take the whole weight of the church behind you. But we can be free. Perseverance is not about gritting your teeth and trying to make it. The perseverance I'm talking about is we receive a word that is spoken from heaven, it stirs up hope in my heart, and I say, God, I can go on, because you have spoken. Perseverance is when you come around me, and you say, John, we can see your walk is hard, and your journey is difficult, and we will pray for you, and we will encourage you, and we'll be there for you. That's how perseverance happens. That's why we need to be part of the church. Perseverance happens when I realize that God is always good. Don't blame Him for stuff that you shouldn't. That's happened too badly. You know who's given the Lord the worst name on the earth has not been unbelievers but Christians. We have blamed Him for things that He had nothing to do with. My God is good all the time. And you may not understand that right now. But let me say to you, He is always good. Amen. I'm finished. Now, 
we can have the worship guys back on the stage. And uh, we want to move into a ministry space. And uh, so part of that is going to be, uh, we're going to be having a time of singing and worship. And, uh, but what I had a sense from the Lord is that this morning, for those who have a sense that God has been speaking to them today, one of the greatest things and the most encouraging things for me is when God begins to speak into our lives, right? Somehow when God speaks, it breaks things that have got a hold in our lives. It encourages us. It enables us to know there's a way ahead. It's something, it's, it's, it somehow begins to fire up something inside of us. And so I've set the last half an hour aside of this service that for a ministry space. And I don't, I'm hoping you won't go and drink coffee. To me, this is like the most significant space that we're in. So what we want to do is, is move forward like this. Is I've asked some of our folk to be available to pray for you. And I've asked them to pray for you very, very specifically. Ask them to pray prophetically over your life. In other words, just a sense of what God is saying for you. And what God has got for you. And so if you would like to have some prayer and you want somebody just to stand with you in your journey, that does not mean you are a failure. There is therefore now. Can we say it a bit now? There is therefore. We're going to live under what God says this morning. We aren't going to live under the lies of the enemy. You want to hear, say, I want you to stand with me. Will you pray over me? Will you pray into my life? I'm going to invite you to do something very simple because it's going to help us to know who to pray with. It's just to come to the front over here. And as you come to the front, somebody will be with you. They'll spend just two, three minutes with you, praying with you, and you can go and sit down again. We're going to carry that on right through until the end.